Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by, as always, and of course, Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. I may be joined throughout this conversation by Patrick Lyons and or others as we discuss the MLB trade deadline, a lot of action in the NL West, the Colorado Rockies making two trades, uh, the San Diego Padres making 14,721 trades, and the Arizona Diamondbacks going into full sell mode. And I, I figured we kind of break down each little bits of that, my, my kind of takeaway and analysis, and then again, maybe hopefully Patrick's takeaway and analysis of these moves as well. Let's begin, of course, as well we should with what the Colorado Rockies have done. Now, Patrick and I both talked about on last night's podcast about Michael Givens and why we think he's a really good pickup for the squad, despite the fact that they did have to pay a decent price in terms of prospects with Tyler Nevin and Taron Vavra to get him. Still, they traded from positions of organizational depth and strength up the middle, uh, basically infielders that they've got plenty of infielders, especially now that it looks like Garrett Hampson really is a thing. Josh Fuentes is looking to be more and more like a thing, in which case Tyler Nevin and Taryn Vavra just become redundant in your system. So to get a guy who immediately slots in as maybe your best reliever, he would be the closer, if not for the fact that I think they'll probably want to move him around as a bit more of a fireman. They're going to have Daniel Bard as long as he's looking, you know, like he can lock down those last three outs relatively well, which he's been pretty solid at doing. Then you've got now both Carlos Estevez and Michael Givens as your kind of roaming setup guys, uh, firemen, get out of the tough situation, pitchers, and you're you're going to see if any of these other guys can figure it out and step up to you know be that as well. Not being able to add a lefty in the bullpen means they're stuck with Pazos and Deal, neither of whom has pitched well at all this season at any point. And so I think they're just honestly going to worry less about matchups and, and need their right-handed pitchers to get out uh, tough lefties. And I think that's a, you know, honestly a, a fine enough way to go with it. You don't have to overpay for a guy just because he's a left-handed pitcher, as we've seen with both Pazos and Deal. Just being left-handed doesn't mean that you're going to be able to go in there and get the big lefty. So if you just get good relievers, and Michael Givens is that, he's a good reliever and he has been one his entire career. So as I said last night, as long as Coors Field doesn't get to him, he'll be fine. Let's talk about the Kevin Pilar thing. I really know. I've liked this for a while. Those of you that are longtime listeners to the podcast have known that I've always thought Kevin Pillar was the perfect fit at Coors Field. And before we get too far away from that last point, I've, I've got to agree with, and <clears throat> I'm going to say the name, 212732NY2NJ. Got to agree with you on this one, even though I'm pretty sure that you're a robot who is going to overthrow us all and instill a new form of uh, post-apocalyptic nightmare. Other than that, I do agree that with the new three batter minimum needing a lefty is not the same as it used to be. Um, so yeah, uh, Kevin Pillar, October, I think he's going to play mostly center field. I, I think, you know, it's going to depend on how much he hits, whether or not he platoons a little bit and, and mostly plays against left-handed pitching. Uh, the case for him offensively is very similar to the case 
uh, for Matt Kemp offensively, which is that he hits lefties very well and he rakes at Coors Field. Historically, he's got like a 320 batting average at Coors Field. He's always come in with other teams and hit well there and patrolled that outfield extraordinarily well. And that's the thing that's got me most uh, excited about this deal from the Rockies' perspective. Now, it is only a rental here, and it'll be interesting to see if he feels like sticking around. If the bat plays, he just might because, you know, there's an opportunity here with how left-handed heavy the Colorado Rockies outfield is with Tapia, Blackman, Hilliard, uh, David Dahl, whenever he returns. And I've seen some people saying this is a sign that, you know, David Dahl may not be coming back this year. Certainly the fact that they went and got a rental as opposed to maybe swinging a little bit bigger and going for somebody like Starling Marte, who we did see got traded to the Marlins. You know, that would be more of a long-term thing. I would expect we see David Dahl again this season. Um, But, you know, it's always good to have insurance for that as well. And in my estimation, Kevin Pillar is a good pickup for the Rockies, especially considering all they had to move out was a player to be named later and cash considerations. Anyway, uh, I'm very, very interested to see if he starts to feel like an impact, impact defender immediately for this club who needs one in the outfield. And I think it also helps you more easily and readily uh, move Charlie Blackman to DH more often than not. Or, uh, you know, I, I, the one thing is like they, they didn't end up finding a new home for, for Daniel Murphy, right? And so now they've got this weird sort of conglomerate. And I think what will happen in the meantime is that, you know, Brendan Rodgers will go down and Hampson's going to get more playing time at second. McMahon's going to get more playing time at first. And Murphy's going to DH a little bit more. Uh, but, uh, you know, that way. So you've still got um, Tapia and Blackman in the outfield with Kevin Pillar playing center. And I, and I think that that's what we're going to see, especially in the early going. Once David Dahl comes back, you see how everybody's doing. Uh, see, Jamison, I don't think he'd be out there tonight. I'd be surprised. But I do think um, Michael Givens has said that he is prepared to, to pitch this evening. And so he'll be available to Bud Black if they need him. And if it's a close game and the Rockies are up, I fully expect we'll see him in the seventh or eighth inning. Um, but yes, Sean, I, the thing is the glove at Coors Field, if it plays how it has in spurts, in small sample sizes, when he's come in as part of uh, the Blue Jays or the Giants, when he's played for those teams and made stupendous defensive plays in center field, but also just good, above average, uh, turning singles into doubles, taking away extra base hits in those big gaps. And I think it's very possible that for a team that, again, I've preached this over and over and over again, their calling card has to be run prevention. Help your pitchers out in that environment. The starting pitching, basically the starting pitching has been this. Every guy has been good most of the time, and every guy has been really bad once, right? Marquez had a terrible blow-up. Castellani now has one. Freeland in this series has had his first game where he went out and he just couldn't locate stuff, and he got knocked around for it, right? Gray had that one against the Arizona Diamondbacks. But everybody's also bounced back, except now we got to see about Freeland and Castellani. Freeland, I think we're all very confident. If your fifth starter ends up, you know, this is what you got out of Castellani, rock and roll. You know, you've already gotten quite a bit of value out of that kid, but you've got to give them 
all of the possible opportunities to shorten those innings, to convert every ball in play that could potentially be an out into an out. And Kevin Pilar, I think, is really going to be a difference maker in that realm. If it also turns out that now he's been hitting hot this year, he's putting up a career best year offensively. And if kind of like Matt Kemp, some of his numbers start to translate where he rakes at Coors and he hits well against lefties, this is a very good pickup for the Colorado Rockies, even though it may not seem like one on the surface. All of that sort of needs to come together. But given that uh, they didn't have to give up much. And Sean, yeah, I see why Why didn't they have to give up all that much? Well, it's because it's a rental through the rest of this season. And so, you know, you're only getting 27 games out of him at this point and, and whatever, you know, you get in the postseason there. Maybe the Rockies, if he really likes it here, uh, he feels like he can hit at Coors, what it, like, uh, I was sort of alluding to earlier. Maybe you, you figure out a way to pay him and, and take him moving forward, especially if in the offseason you can find a new home for Daniel Murphy, which makes it that much easier to just make Ryan McMahon your starting all the time first baseman and, you know, let second base continue to be a battle between, you know, Hampson, Samba, uh, Rogers, if he wants to get into that mix going into next year. But I do think that this is tackling the correct problem, the run prevention issue with both of these guys, both Givens and Pilar. Uh, was it enough? Obviously, that will remain to be seen. Neither guy is going to come in and, you know, I'm going to be writing an article in two or three weeks. Maybe Pilar. I could see Pilar getting hot enough with the bat if it, if it just happens that we are at the end of the season going, wow, that was a huge pickup for the Rockies. Um, but I, I think that chances of that are, are pretty low. But I do think most guys are going to contribute and a little too much a little too late again asking how does this affect Hampson I've seen a lot of people asking about that Hampson's still going to work in to this lineup uh they're they're going to find him at bats and I know a lot of people have been frustrated and feel like he should play more often but Hampson is best used as a super utility guy who you can employ anywhere on the diamond left field center field shortstop second base uh Probably don't want him at third. You can put him right. That's fine. You don't want him catching or playing first. That's about it. Maybe not third, like I said. But, you know, at any given time, if a guy needs a day off, if there's a particular matchup that works well for him, you can insert him late into games as a, a pinch hitter or a pinch runner or a defensive replacement. You can. There's just so many different ways that you can employ Garrett Hampson that he's going to be a tough guy to totally bury or, or, or bench on this roster, especially if he keeps producing with the bat, which he has been. And so I've seen some people say, you know, this is a move that totally buries Garrett Hampson. And with the way the Rockies threw him in there at shortstop the other day when Trevor Story DH'd it, you know, it was a reminder that they still believe he can play infield just as well. And with the way they haven't automatically gone to Daniel Murphy in this series with his bat scuffling and with Josh Fuentes hitting well and playing extraordinary defense, uh, they're showing that they're not married to Daniel Murphy all of the time. And all of that means more at bats for Garrett Hampson. And it's all hands on deck at this point, moving forward, like you got a hit to play that, you know, um, and, and the fewer at bats, or, or I should say the fewer defensive appearances for Daniel Murphy at first base, in my estimation, the better I'm fine with DH in him against right-handed pitching. 
I think that's kind of what Daniel Murphy's role should be moving forward. DH against righties and a bat off of the bench when it's a lefty starter out there. And if that's the case, that gives you regular playing time for both Garrett Hampson and Kevin Pillar at second base and center field with Ryan McMahon sliding over or Josh Fuentes, whichever one of them, again, whoever's hitting. But the I think both of these are very good trades, mostly because it cost the Rockies very little in the long term. The biggest thing they lost here was Taron Vavra, who, again, is like the fourth or fifth guy or was the fourth or fifth guy in their depth chart at shortstop behind Trevor Story, Garrett Hampson, Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I guess he might have been next in line there now that Ryan Vallade is, moved, is definitely a third baseman. I'd have to take a look. Actually, I've got an organizational depth chart that I created that I can take a look at right here if I can find it, see where I put Taron Vavra. But yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, I do think both of these guys are players that contribute to the Rockies who you know, Pilar lengthens the lineup and makes them better defensively and helps them in matchups because they needed a righty. Michael Gibbons, that was an obvious one. They needed a reliever, and he's probably now their best reliever. Um, and Patrick and I were thinking maybe they'll add one or two guys who can slot in as their third and fourth best relievers. That may have ended up being more valuable in the long run, but we'll see if it turns out that getting one guy as long as if he pitches to his career numbers, just his career not numbers, not even how hot he's been this year. And Michael Givens has been hot this year. Both Pilar and Givens actually are coming in uh, on very good seasons, <clears throat> which is, you know, always an interesting thing to do as well. And, and the Padres have done that. Interestingly, they're writing the hot hands here. I'll talk about the Padres in a minute. But I, I do think here that these are good moves for the Rockies and they're going to help them maintain uh, pace and, and and finish over 500 get into the playoffs and then it's all about what your matchup ends up being at that point so yeah looks like we got Patrick Lyons on in here as I've sort of wrapped up my thoughts on uh, the Kevin Pillar stuff so why don't we get him in here before we move over to what's going on with the rest of the teams in the National League West uh, Patrick I've I've laid it out defensively. I've all we've all you and I have talked about this for years. I always thought Kevin Pillar made a perfect fit at Coors Field because every time he comes to Coors Field, he seems to make an impact with multiple plays over the course of a series. And he's a great defender, uh, and he's a right-handed bat, not a scary as hell one, but a right-handed bat who's hit well at Coors, handles lefties well. Uh, I think he's going to be a decent, uh, sort of underrated but good addition to the ball club. Yeah, it's it's as simple as that. Is that it, it's better than any other option right now, at the moment. And when you can improve your ability offensively against left-handed pitching in this division, and also add a guy who can track the ball down as well as anyone in the largest outfield in the history of the world, yeah, that's that's a great addition. Especially when you don't really have to give up much. We don't know the the identities of of the player to be named later. Uh, you know, we don't know the international slot money, which, of course, you know, is, is a factor and, and definitely has some value. But that's not something you're going to be able to attach any name or substance to. It's just this thing that's just kind of out there. And depending on good your organization is using it or not using it, hey, it's just another tool to help enhance the product that you have on the field. And Kevin Pillar greatly, I think, increases that. And obviously, there's probably some worry about, you know, who loses playing time. But the bottom line is, 
do you win more games with Kevin Pillar on this roster? And the answer is yes. At that point, it doesn't matter how many more at-bats Ryan Altapia gets, how many more starts does Sam Hilliard get, um, what happens to the DH position if, if Charlie Blackman needs to be at the DH maybe more frequently if you want to improve your outfield defense. The bottom line is if you're going to win more games, which you are with Kevin Pillar, you say, hey, that's a good trade. Yeah, uh, that was the one guy I mentioned because I sort of laid it all out why I think Hampson will be fine for everybody. But Hilliard, I forgot to mention, so I'm glad you brought up his name because he's the one guy I do think is who's been getting some a decent amount of playing time who's going to take a hit here. And, you know, he's hit the ball to the moon a couple of times, but I think shown that he's still got a little bit seasoning, uh, more seasoning left there. And, and so, yeah, I, I, but as we also talked about a little bit, this is a rental for now. They could look into... Uh, extending him, but it also doesn't block anybody in any way. It doesn't send the message to David Dahl that you don't trust him to get healthy or to Sam Hilliard that you don't trust him to figure it out or to Rymal Tapia that this isn't enough or, you know, whatever. It's just, hey, we're getting some help for this year. Um, which also, I don't know if you saw the quotes from Nolan Arenado today. Uh, he's a fan of both of these guys. He played Team USA with Givens, said he's a good dude and he's a great pitcher, big fan of this guy, and pointed specifically to Kevin Pillar's defense at Coors Field and said, I really like what he brings out there. And so uh, if if you're keeping tally in the, are the, is the organization doing anything to make Nolan Arenado happy category then? And that's what we said yesterday, or, or that was what I said yesterday. Hey, that's what you need to do. That's that's your first thing. If, if When Nolan goes, the team goes. And if he's really happy, I mean – that that makes it all the all the more better, and you would have liked to you know maybe added another relief pitcher, but again there I don't think there were really that many out there outside of what the Padres did. You really didn't see a lot of activity. You know whenever the trade deadline comes around, it's an exciting time. You know same thing with the winter meetings. It's an exciting time, and you can you know say what you will about about all these big names you know moving around from this team and dreaming and and the fantasy baseball aspect of it in a reality sense. I, I didn't really think there was going to be a lot of, you know, really huge moves just because of the unpredictability of it that, I mean, even the L.A. Dodgers are going out there saying, hey, we could have the best team in the National League, but we still have to win a three-game series like the eighth right. seed. That's crazy. So you just say, all right, look, if we win a World Series this year, great. It's going to be with these guys. We're not really going to mortgage our future. And, you know, you could say the only team that potentially mortgaged their future was the Padres, but I don't really know that they did that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, actually, let's, let's get right into the Padres now because they were absolutely swinging for the fences here. And I enjoy swinging for the fences out on the WGT golf course. That's where I'm uh, appreciated. That's where I feel safe. That's where I don't feel the risk of whatever it is the Padres are doing here. But speaking of no risk, it's totally free. You can get WGT golf for free at dnvrgolf.com on your laptop or your phone. You can play closest to the hole or full stroke play on world famous golf courses, including uh, St. Andrews or Beth Page Black. You can challenge us here on the DNVR staff anytime you want or during our weekly weekend tournaments. Or you know, we got now three country clubs because it's been so much fun. It's been so popular. You got to get in while the getting is good. So join us at WGT Golf again. Download it totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. And the Padres out there swinging. Patrick, I think you tweeted out what were the numbers? They brought in and moved out how many players i think they brought in eight guys and they traded away 14 14? five trades five teams actually 
I forgot to update. They got, uh, I think, Taylor Williams also from the Mariners. So they got ended up getting three relievers okay. from the Mariners in the long run. So you got nine guys, 14 ex-Padres, a couple player to be named laters, uh, and a partridge in a pear tree. I, yeah, I think right. they, they, they <laughs> sent all of that because, frankly, it doesn't snow in San Diego uh, in December. So you don't, you don't need all of those typical uh, festivities. That's right. Uh, love it, 100%. So this is absolutely fascinating. And for me, honestly, uh, th- these trades are split into two distinct categories. Mike Clevenger. Yes. And all the other stuff. Um, we talked a bit about this when it was first reported by Bob Nightingale and then unreported by Robert Murray. And then this morning it was then re-reported by Robert Murray that the San Diego Padres had indeed acquired Mike Clevenger. And as Patrick was alluding to a moment ago, they really didn't have to move out a bunch of top prospects to get this done. Uh, And so this move unequivocally and in pretty much every way hurts if you're a Rockies fan. Mike Clevenger's resume is sterling. Uh, He's arguably having a career worst year with a 318 ERA. Um, so, I mean, the young man can pit, well, he's, he's about to become 30. So welcome to the other side here in a minute there, buddy. But, uh, you know, th- that's maybe the one silver lining. If you're looking for one as a Rockies fan, that probably his best days are behind him. But look, Mike Clevenger's got plenty of good days in front of him. The guy can pitch. He's just a great pitcher and th- there's no way around it. The only other thing you can say, the thing that I think is most interesting about it is starting pitching was supposed to be this team's calling card, this team's strength, and it just hasn't been. They've been riding a hot offense that they had to go out and do this, I think is interesting and telling, but you slot him in there. If you start to assume that Chris Paddock and Denilson Lamette are going to come around and do some stuff, uh, that that becomes a a pretty scary rotation to be sure, Uh, but well, let's let. I mean, do you have anything to add? Just, again, so so that's that's the Mike Clevenger angle. There's there's n- very few ways to put on purple tinted glasses and and silver lining your way through that one. That guy's going to be tough to face for the next several years. Yeah, precisely right. You know, the the first two trades that they made, where they got Moreland and Rosenthal, that was just a, a net positive because they traded away some young guys. So that was just a net positive. The middle two deal, two deals, uh, maybe you know, with the ones with the uh, with the Mariners, it was just kind of uh, this cluster of, of bodies going here and there. But then when you see the the Clevenger acquisition, like you said, that kind of puts it all in, into perspective. And and you're not even just talking about what you're getting for 2020. You're talking about what you have in this guy the next three years because he doesn't become a free agent until after the 2023 season. So that's that's huge. That that you know ties you in for now, you know, that window of contention and, you know, by no means have the Padres created a dynasty yet, but a dynasty starts with one season. And yes, it might be this shortened season, but this could be the first step in all of that. And Mike Clevenger is going to be around for a while. They had to ship off, you know, a lot of their, uh, it sounds strange to say almost their veteran youngsters, like guys that, you know, didn't really come to fruition like they would have hoped, like, you know, Josh Naylor, uh, Austin Hedges, who's a, a fine catcher, more defensively than anything that, than else. You know, Cal Quantrill. You know, these guys that you know, if you give them an opportunity, some of those guys will catch on with Cleveland yeah. in a real major way. So, it it really does come down to Clevenger, 
and then everybody else. You're right. Yeah, because there's also the question that I've always had with these kinds of things. And first of all, you've heard me say this about the Rockies, and so I'm being 100% consistent here. For me, the biggest thing with prospects is always quantity because you can pick out one or two guys that you think are the for sure thing, and I can pick out one or two guys, and Patrick can pick out one or two guys. The guy I thought was the surest thing in that Padre system did go out in Trammell. He was the guy I was scared of the most, but some people are scared of Abrams and Gore more, and so they say, hey, the Padres didn't lose much. But again, you're putting now fewer eggs into that basket when you move 14 players out of your organization you need the guys you have now. One of the interesting things, and I've never been a big, you know, tear it down, rebuild guy, and I don't think the Rockies are ever really going to do that, but somebody was talking about, you know, well, two years from now, the Padres are still going to have all these guys locked up, and the Rockies only have, like, McMahon, Rogers, Tapia, and Hampson. I was like, well, that could be a good thing. That really depends on how the next year and a half goes for the Colorado Rockies, if they can't turn it around with this unit or add to or whatever, then you've got the financial flexibility. And presumably you've traded off a couple of guys before just losing them to free agency, either for decent prospects or financial flexibility, whatever it may be, that you can totally change. Now, while this group of Padres, I think is good, it's a good group of Padres, they have to win with these guys. That's it. They're, these are the guys that have to pan out and the the top prospects that they have now they can't misfire on any of these guys because they don't have the b level you know think about right now with the way the colorado rockies thought brendan rogers would be doing stuff right now and it's actually Garrett hampson it wasn't their a it's not their a level guy it's their b level guy at that same spot who they need right now the padres aren't going to have that flexibility and while i I think I think it's honestly 50-50 that in two or three years we'll be looking at a Padres team that's kind of stuck because it only takes one or two of their top prospects not panning out for all of these moves in a 60-game season where they're going to have to play a three-game set to decide if they even move on in the playoffs. It's super risky, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I understand why people are giving them credit for going for it, but when you move out that many players, regardless of how they're ranked in your system, you're putting a lot of eggs into one basket. If Mike Clevenger's got to get Tommy John sometime in the next couple of years, this whole thing is, you know, you're screwed. Yeah, you, you can't argue with that about about the, the eggs in, in one basket because, you know, we, we saw the Rockies, you know, have a similar situation a couple of years ago and everyone said, oh, cut cargo, trade them, bench them. Para, get rid of them, bench them in that 2018 season. Give give that time to Dahl, give that time to Tapia. And the Rockies said, well, no, because if we do that, then we now have two outfielders for two spots instead of four outfielders for two spots. And they made the right call, went to the postseason, uh, was able to knock off the Cubs there in the wild card game, and it looked fine. So you you want that depth. You want those young guys kind of slowly working their way towards playing time at the major league level, like you're seeing with Sam Hilliard. And how long did it take Charlie Blackman, you know, to finally I, come around? You know, Nolan Arenado. Three and a half years. Yeah, Nolan Arenado came around a lot quicker. But, yeah. but you look at what he did uh, even just in his rookie year, and you go, all right, 
he, he wasn't good. a superstar till no. year three, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It really was only Trevor Story that jumped yeah. on the scene so quickly. But then he also took a step back. But year two was rough, yeah. He took a big step back, and there were those questions. So, right, you don't have that luxury. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I do I do disagree a little bit on, on that topic because, yeah, these are the guys that they're going to have, and they are that good. They, they, they're not relying on their, their next top prospects to go out and do something. They, they still have a really good system. I think there's a good chance you're going to – you might even see the Padres still be a top five system because of the depth. As you said, the quantity uh, is super important. I'm, I'm a guy who, in my personal life, sometimes I think there is quality in quantity. And if you've ever gone to a, a buffet, hey, you, if you like eating at a buffet, there is no quality there, but there's so much quantity that you're like, That's a stuff, it's man. a good time. Exactly. And I think you know the Padres have been able to do that with just such – quantity such depth in their entire system that they don't mind giving up about six guys out of their top 20 list and the Rockies ultimately at least right now can't necessarily afford to do that because of just because of the time frame just because of it as you said Drew the the Padres are going to have so many of these guys the next three four seasons that are locked in either because their their contracts are under control before they reach free agency or they sign them to a long-term deal like a Hosmer like a Machado, and for the Rockies right now, three of their biggest players could be gone in a year's time. Nolan Arenado could opt out after the 2021 season. Trevor Story is a free agent at the end of that season, so if things really go wrong next year, end of July could be the last time you see him in purple. Should Breidich go ahead, uh, get the go-ahead and, and trade? Same thing with John Gray, where he could be a free agent. And then you go, all right, well, we no longer have a window right now. We got to work on trying to get that window open again, and it's it's just a time frame thing. And right now, the Padres have they've shimmied that window open, and they've put a big two by four in it, and it's going to be wide open for them for a couple of years, even if it doesn't work out right away. Yeah, uh, you know, like like I said, we'll we'll see. I, I I'm always loath to to give people credit for things before they actually happens so we'll, we'll see how it it actually plays out but and we um, and, and we said that uh Michaela you and I we were we were talking a little bit and we said you know what while, while one window opens another one closes and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks yeah well and and this is absolutely <laughs> fascinating to me because this is actually right? probably the best news of the day for the Colorado Rockies it's not yeah. even the two guys that they acquired and this other stuff with the Padres, while I get, well, it's frustrating. You look at them and go, why don't we do that? And I just don't think the Rockies should ever, ever do that. Um, <clears throat> I just don't think it. Also, the, like the chemistry thing, it's, it's, you know, is that a thing in baseball? I don't know. The Philadelphia Phillies went out and added four All-Stars, and everyone predicted they were going to win 110 games, and they haven't seen the postseason since. Um, you know, so I don't think it's always just as simple as bringing a bunch of guys who are good baseball players. But – We'll see how it pans out. The opposite, on the other hand, Patrick, almost always tends to be true. When you send out a bunch of really good baseball players and in return you get guys who at least aren't going to contribute right away. And and I think you and I both agree that the Diamondbacks have done some interesting things with their farm system and, and they could look decent in a couple of years. They could at least be really fun in a couple of years. A lot of young guys who are, who are doing interesting things. But not only did the... Diamondbacks send out a bunch of guys who should make sure that they completely fall out of this race in the NL West because they're sort of cornerstones of 
the most recent Diamondbacks teams when they've been successful. They also sent out three, no doubt, notorious day-after-day Rockies killers. They got rid of Starling Marte, who had only been there for a minute, enough time to wreck their day a couple of times. Um, They got rid of Archie Bradley. We all know the history there. And, of course, they sent out Robbie Ray. All of these guys out of the NL West, uh, that is huge news for the Rockies. Again, both for this year moving forward and if Colorado can remain a slightly above 500 team, and and move that into the offseason where, again, they'll have a little bit more flexibility than going into next year if the Diamondbacks just are not a factor. That's huge for the Rockies. Remember, coming into this season, the consensus was that the Diamondbacks were the better baseball team. We're going to be going for it, and we're probably going to challenge the Padres for second place here. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen now. No, we said that if, if you were going to pick any two teams to not have to play seven games on the road, or in in the case of the Diamondbacks, six games on the road. It was the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. And that's what they ended up getting on the schedule, and you go, oh, no. And now you look at the schedule, and you go, four games in three days to end the season against what's left of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you like your odds to maybe even run the table on those games. And, And right now, if you look at, you know, the, the guys they're carrying around, um, either, either starters or on their bench, they've only got about three legitimate guys under 30 years old right now that you look to say, okay, you know, this, this, this guy could be a player, you know. Carson Kelly still, you know, lacks a little something to be desired. Uh, I think he's a, a, you know, a good ball player. Christian Walker, he's going to turn 30 next year. You can tell Marte, who's going to be 27 any day now. You know, that's... He got to be frustrated. If I'm yeah, tell Marte... That's it. I'm having a bad day. I'm having, <laughs> I'm, I'm having some long conversations with my agent if I'm Cattell Marte right now. What about if you're Madison Bumgarner? You're going, oh, I signed right. up for this? Oops. Yeah. I signed up for this? Mm. He, uh, I wonder how he release, releases his stress because I'm sure the D-back said, look, you can't go cattle roping. You, you, you can't be Bronco busting. So he's going to have to take <laughs> up a, a new sport. I don't, I don't know what that would be. Uh, he might have put one of one of those uh, squirrel outfits on and just jump off of a cliff and then just you know soar through the the Alps or something. But uh, that's going to be rough for him for the next couple years because the D-backs, the next you know crop of players that they've got coming up, um, they're 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 way too far away. They they did a nice job in the 2019 draft, but they got a long ways to go. So. You know, can't can't count your chickens before they hatch. You can't count your right. victories before you you win those games. But the D backs could be that that whipping post along with the Giants in a lot of ways. And they're they're still going to be tough for the Rockies. Those interdivisional games, right? There's no secrets. Guarantee it. Yeah, you just can't. But but it's nice for the Rockies that you've got two teams that really aren't aren't looking to aren't really looking to make additions in the off season and make a push and say, you know what. Our windows open here. Their windows are not open for the Giants and for the D-backs right now. Yeah. Bumgarner was another guy, by the way, who was supposed to be a big offseason acquisition, who was supposed to extend a team's window to compete. Uh, and that didn't really happen that way. Now now he's stuck. Um, but, yeah, the, it, absolutely fascinating day, man. It's probably the craziest trade deadline, certainly that I've covered in just inside the NL West. 
um, with all these teams making these moves, the Padres doing all this stuff. I think it'll be really interesting to see um, how that all plays out, especially through the end of the year. I think you're right that they're very well set up for 2021 and, and moving forward. But it does have this weird feel of like going all in right now based on essentially a really good 30 game sample size. And, and I know that it was also to be expected uh, to some degree. And so that's why it, it makes a ton of sense, but it will be really fascinating if this say pushes the Padres so that they become the second seed in the national league. And they, they emerge very clearly as the number two team after the Dodgers. And then they get a first round matchup against whoever, you know, Miami who gets hot at the right time. And they have two guys give them great starts and the Padres go out in the first round. Like, I think it'll just be like objectively hilarious if that happens, even though we know there's, there's a long-term ploy here. It does feel like it puts a great deal of pressure. And I feel like this happened with the Phillies too. It puts a great deal of like pressure. You need to win now. Like you have to win with this group. And, and that, that always comes with a certain amount of pressure. The thing that I like about what the Padres did with, with these acquisitions is they, you know, only Rosenthal and Moreland were rentals. And yeah, okay, you know, Oliveris could could wind up being, you know, a, a really good young, um, you know, outfielder uh, for the Royals. And, you know, I, I think the Boston did well with, with what they were able to get in their package. But they they learned something, the, particularly A.J. Preller, because when he got that job in, in 2014-15 offseason, they loaded up. They got Matt Kemp from the Dodgers. They went out and they got, you know, a, a really nice catcher from the A's at the time that fell off the face of the earth. You remember Derek Norris? Yeah. They went out and they got him. They did the same thing with Justin Upton. BJ That was Upton. the first year. I remember that, that being the first time that and they James were Shields. the team of the future. That's and right. James Shields. James Shields. But they very quickly broke it down and they realized it wasn't going to work, which was, yeah. was so interesting that it, it took only a year before they broke it down, but they learned that by getting these guys that were so close to free agency, they, yeah, they had a really good team, but in a relatively small sample size of 162 games, anything can happen. So what you want is a window of years of games. And that is where it's worth giving away certain pieces. And, you know, the Rockies are a great example of that. You know, in, in the trade deadline preview I did, I really only focused on guys that were going into free agency after this year when I knew full well that what the, what the Rockies wanted was a guy they could tr- control for multiple years. They did it with right. Sung Wan Oh. Right. Right. They didn't do it with Pat Neshek, and they said, ah, you know what? Well, we're willing to pay maybe a little bit more if we can get a guy for next year as well. Uh, kill two birds with one stone. And that's what they did with Givens, where they got him for two years. So you say, right. all right, well, if we think our window's open, you know, until the end of next year, why just get a guy for right now? And then we're going to have to get another guy. Well, you know what? Givens is a guy in 2020 and 2021. You get that all in one trade. So uh, it's, it's really interesting to see what the Padres did. And yeah, what kind of chemistry, like what's the cohesion going to be where they're, they're, I know they, I know they have their names on the backs of their jerseys, but they're going to need to wear one on the front too. Hi, my name is, Mike, yeah. huh? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of your yeah. videos with Trevor right. Bauer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know you. Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be an interesting uh, introductory phase for everybody. That's that's for sure. They they might have to get out there and and play a game that I know brings people together, Patrick. Because when you get physical, then you feel good and you you learn things about each other. They might have to go out and play some rugby. They probably won't be able to do it though 
at Infinity Park because it is currently being occupied as the new home of the USA Eagles men's and women's 15 teams, making Colorado the place to be for rugby in the United States. And if you don't want to miss out on this really exciting time for a new sport and for sports in Colorado, then you've got to follow our DNVR rugby friends, Colton Strickler, getting it done on the podcast. you got to follow him on the Twitter as well. Breaking news, getting stuff from uh, players, giving you 101 breakdowns of how rugby works if you're new to the sport. And I tell you, it's a whole lot of fun. I've become a fan, so make sure you check them out over there. Just now, we're getting a, a breaking news report from Will. I assume this was tweeted out by one of the Rockies beat writers. Rockies have activated right-handed pitcher Michael Givens, recalled Antonio Santos, which is interesting. Additionally, they have optioned James Pazos on account of he can't get anybody out and placed infielder Brendan Rogers on the 10-day IL with a right shoulder capsular strain. I'll send that to our hockey guys so they know what a capsular or scapular. <laughs> I, no, I, know I know my body parts. I know my body parts. Capsular. Probably scapular, huh? <laughs> you got a capsular. Yeah, uh, and we said yesterday, nice. pause us. Pause us. You yeah. let it off saying, well, who, who, if you're adding guys, you got to kind of remove and pause us is that guy that, that was option. Same thing with Rogers. I, I, in fact, the folks on Twitter that, that follow us and, and comment and reach out, they were all over that one as far as Rogers being that yeah. guy. And again, it's a little bit different with an injury and, Maybe it is an injury. Maybe that's just a way of, of saving face a little bit. It uh, doesn't really matter, but Brendan Rodgers is, is uh, no longer on this roster for the time being. And I think that that could be an indicator that, yeah, Josh Fuentes is going to be your first baseman most games. Because now I think Daniel Murphy is going to be your DH. I think that, that's the one thing we know is Daniel Murphy is going to DH against righties and, that, and, and then be a bat off the bench otherwise. And I think that's the best spot for him. Um, yeah. Are the here's my question. Are the players still wearing 42 tonight? I mean, oh, the I don't series know started over oh, the weekend. Right, right. And if that's the case, no one will have any idea who is playing, who is at the plate, who is pitching. We got two guys warming up in the Padres bullpen. Neither one of them know who each other are. <laughs> yeah. Both are 42. Uh both are new. Both uh, are are they're on their phones trying to figure out the directions how to get out to the mound. Because they haven't been out there yet. I've never seen it before. Been American League guys. All right, I want to wrap it up on this question from Michael. <clears throat> by the I'm way, take, yeah. By the way, you you, you answered our, our question. You know what? What's the next thing for Madison Bumgarner? Rugby. Boom. Keep That's, it locked to yeah, DNVR Rugby point. because Madison Bumgarner will m- m- undoubtedly that will be his sport now. It just that, clicked. It just clicked in that moment. That will definitely happen. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael asking. Who, and I'm going to, by the way, just spoiler alert, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit on the answer to this question. Who is your one guy on the roster that could significantly impact the team if they turn things around or step up big time in the second half of this short season? My answer is simple. My answer is the right one. Nolan Arenado. Nolan's got to hit better in 260. Uh, I was on altitude today with uh, Ryan Harris, Scott Hastings, Josh Dover, and those guys, and, you know, they... They were sort of talking about, and I, and I, I couldn't anticipate the Kevin Pillar move. They were going, is there some bat they can get to lengthen the lineup? I think Pillar does that a little bit. But my point was, whoever it is, is going to be a guy who comes in and hits seventh or eighth and does that, lengthens your lineup and helps you out here and there and helps you out in situations. And that's exactly what the Rockies have gotten. 
for your offense to win games, to hold up to what the starting pitching has been doing and what I expect them to continue to do, which is not be perfect. We've They've not been perfect. They've been good. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, and most importantly, Nolan Arenado have to be the driving force of your offense. The Rockies won't finish over 500, and in the playoffs, if Nolan Arenado doesn't hit better from here on out than he has to this point, and the opposite is true. If he hits better, they will comfortably be in the playoffs. And if he's hitting better, that gives all the more credence for him to light a fire under someone else's butt. Not that he needs credence, but he's more likely to. If he doesn't have, if his poop ain't in a group, as we like to say, if we're going to keep it PG, if your poop ain't in a group, you know what I'm saying, then you. it's hard for you to call somebody else out on it, right? So if he's clicking, it, it's going to have that trickle-down effect. Right. And for me, I, I would take a guy who, when we previewed this very brief season, we looked at who the, the biggest factors were, kind of our, you know, the precursor to, to 20th and Blaze Street, where we say who are the guys that if they step up and have that huge year, it's going to make it all the more likely that Colorado runs into the playoffs, not even as an eighth seed, but you know as a true wild card, fourth or fifth. That's Ryan McMahon. Right. And we haven't seen Ryan McMahon do what he did last year or even do what he did in flashes in 17 and 18. And he hasn't really become that fifth young superstar bat. And he's touched on it in games here to there, had, had a multi-homer game a week and a half ago. And I think maybe with Rodgers going on the IL and kind of Fuentes saying, look, you stay there. It's, it, I'll, I'll take this over here. You do you over there. That's just going to settle him that much more. And I think it's going to allow him to focus on his game offensively. Uh, I think it could even potentially allow for the lineup to go back to the way it was, where Charlie hits third, Nolan hits fourth, and then behind him is Ryan McMahon. Right. Now that we're it's we're still about two weeks away from that happening, but if Ryan McMahon can go ahead and get his act together in that way, then you really like what Colorado is going to bring into the postseason starting in October. Yep, yep, I think that's right. And honestly, if I wanted to throw out a, an arm to help him there, I would go with Jairo Diaz. He's the guy who's he's just been all over the map this year but his stuff is still incredible. He still throws a 97-mile-an-hour fastball and a slider that's ridiculous. He's just had no command. So if he could just <clears> – <throat> I don't know what happens to pitchers when – like there's a lot of different things you can I, – I do think his mechanics, actually, I, I think his mechanics are off. In, in other words, like he's, he's rushing and or slowing down. He's not consistent with his body movement to the plate. And I think if he can just calm his body down and deliver the ball the same way every time – Jairo Diaz could could feel like a big addition from from here on out. You know, other than that in the bullpen, I think everyone else is going to be more or less what we've what we've seen. And the time that he has to do it is perfect because it could take him those, you know, two and a half, three weeks to do that, especially if he's coming into games earlier, even if it is just mop up duty for a while. Right. It's so much different. You know, when, when guys have that's one of the reasons guys have roles and it's hard to have you know, a closer by committee is because guys are going, whoa, what? I'm, I'm, I need to get ready now. My no. body's kind of not ready for the, that yet. I, I need two more cups of, of Gatorade. And that's just kind of how I settle myself. And, and Diaz has had that where he got booted out of his eighth inning role then as a closer. And, and now he's coming in games as we saw the other night in the sixth inning. And you're right. His mechanics are off. So he's got time to figure it out. And, 
you know, come come Rocktober, fingers crossed, right? Uh, you could see higher ideas back in there getting big outs late in the game, even in the eighth inning for the Rockies. Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna keep rolling with it. Uh, like like I, I think the other big thing about the Padres too is to remember that the Rockies have to play their own baseball games and all the games in front of them, and with extra postseason spots, even if it is the case that the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be dynasties for the next half decade or decade, even that there's still a spot there for the Rockies to try to grab a postseason spot and do their thing. And, uh, you know, so it's, you got to play the games in front of you. They don't, they don't hand them away based on your talent on paper. So it's going to be really fascinating finish to this one, especially in the short season. We'll be here Every single day, covering it for you live after every single game. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. You click on that bell icon so that you get a notification whenever we go live. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. If you weren't subscribed and you weren't reading, you might have missed Patrick breaking down Kevin Pillar and what he could bring to the Colorado Rockies before he was traded to the Colorado Rockies. You don't want to miss out on that stuff. Plus, if you subscribe, you get all kinds of cool discounts on merchandise like hats and shirts, masks to keep yourself safe and looking good. And you got to swing on by the DNVR bar sometime and uh, help out. Man, I was there all day. Like, literally, I had breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the bar yesterday because there were, there were three different sporting events. You were obviously. just waiting for a victory. That was all. Just, you, just like, hey, if the Rockies win, you were going home. But they didn't. They didn't. And then, and then if, if the Avs won, won. I was out of there. Didn't happen. <laughs> Had to wait for Jamal Murray to score 50 points. Whew. Put up an absolutely extraordinary performance. One of the Jordan-esque. best. Yeah, one of the best in Denver sports. It's certainly recent memory, probably ever. Uh, that was that was really extraordinary. And so to be down there at the bar and watch that with Nuggets fans who were going absolutely wild at everything that was going on. It was a great atmosphere. It was a safe atmosphere, and uh, we really enjoyed it. So. You know, come on down for that. Uh, as long as, especially the Abs and the Nuggets are staying alive in the playoffs, and you know the Rockies are obviously staying alive in the playoff hunt. It may not feel like it, but they very much are. So stick with us for the rest of the season and continue to remain absolutely awesome out there. We will continue to remain absolutely Patrick Lyons, Andrew Creaseman in here, and until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.